The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Safely back from Thanksgiving weekend. And when I say safely, I mean, well, you know, we all survived it, right? We're hanging in there. Um, It's a wild one, dude. This is one of those times where uh, this is like the craziest thing that I've ever said, but I'm actually glad that it's the midweek again, meaning a weekday. I'm glad it's a weekday because Thanksgiving weekend is freaking exhausting. How many parties did you guys go to? How many things did you guys have over the weekend? We had two Thanksgivings on Thursday, a family get-together on Friday, a toddler party and another Thanksgiving on Saturday, a toddler party and a friend Thanksgiving on Sunday. I'm wiped. I did the whole thing with the bronchitis. You'll probably notice that the podcast gets paused every once in a while for me to cough, and then I lose my train of thought. And then we're back. And we're back, and we can just settle in again. Kids are at school, or preschool as it were. The work week is going. I have a little bit of quiet time. It's glorious. Well, happy belated Thanksgiving, everybody. Hope you guys had a wonderful weekend. Exhausting, but nice. Let's let's try to, uh, you know, the good and the bad. And roll back into us here. It's reverse chronological lightning round. I would recommend, by the way, if you didn't have a chance to listen to the Friday show, you could sort of run... The Friday and Monday shows together. That was one of those cough pauses, by the way. You'll notice them, I think. Uh, Run the Friday and Monday shows together because we're able to sort of string them. Meaning this one, this Monday show, I'll be going back through the weekend. Friday show, we sort of previewed it to see what we would be looking for. Uh, But if you don't have time for that, obviously this one, uh, the goal here is to get you through everything here on this Monday show. Hit a reset button and everybody kind of ready for the week ahead. I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Dan Vespers is D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you enjoy the podcast, please do leave a five-star review, uh, particularly on iTunes. Open iTunes on your computer or the podcast app on your mobile device. Search for Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the show title and scroll to the bottom, and that's where you can leave the five-star review. So thank you for that in advance. That's how we keep growing over here. That's how we will uh, continue to sort of Uh, pay the rent by growing the podcast, and then we can keep this bad boy free forever. That's the goal here. That's what we are intending to do. That's what it will be, uh, and that's why we need those reviews and subscriptions. This show, as always, brought to you by our buddies at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company, H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter, HawaiianIsles.com. Search for Hawaiian Isles on Amazon, and of course, this is a hoop ball presentation. Go to hoop-ball.com. Check out what we got going on. Cyber Monday deal on the books today. Half off the premium subscription, which, by the way, I'll be doing the premium weekly lineup show with Aaron Brewski's Crib Notes and my good buddy, Brandon Marcus. That'll be at 11 a.m. Pacific time today, which might actually be while you're listening to this podcast. So pause it. Go get the premium subscription. Coupon code is Black Friday. All one word. Black Friday. All one word. 50% off the premium subscription. Yeah, half, half off for the entire season. You get all those sweet live shows, the premium articles, the projections, the dynasty ranks, all that good stuff, schedule grid, streaming grid. The list goes on and on and on and on. 
you can, I believe, see all of the stuff that you would get. You just can't read any of it if you go to the uh, go to hoop-ball.com under the premium tab. You click on launch premium, and you'll be able to see the landing page. So that's what you can take a look at, all the stuff that you'd get. So check that out. Uh, let's dive into it now. Starting with Sunday, reverse chronological lightning round. We'll go through all the games, uh, each team's most recent basketball game, and set the table for you for the week ahead. Miami was at Brooklyn. That was the early game on Sunday, early for those of us on the Pacific Coast. Actually, I think that was noon over here. There were no early games on Sunday. Uh, Jimmy Butler continues to struggle with his shot for whatever reason, uh, but otherwise everything is is quite good for him. He's had a brilliant year, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, which he's number eight, by the way, in nine cat on a per game basis while shooting 41 and a half percent, which kind of amazingly, even if you believe the steals and blocks numbers come down, which I do, I don't think he'll stay at two and a half the entire season, but two or two plus is attainable the scoring could actually improve for him because he's not taking that many shots and he's not making that many shots. Some of those are going to start to drop. But that's not even really the point here. It's not exactly like he's a buy low. I'm basically just saying he can remain inside the top 10 because even if some of the stuff drops, other things will come back. Uh, Goran Dragic got hot in this one off the bench. He ended up playing 31 minutes and scored 24 points in their victory which pushed uh, Chris, or excuse me, Kendrick Nunn out to the periphery a little bit, but he's still starting. He's still taking a ton of shots, which makes him my lead horse in that race still. It's conceivable, and I probably should have made this more clear, a little bit more explicit, that none of those three guys will end up inside the top 100. It's quite conceivable. Goran Dragic is 148. Tyler Harrow is 153. And Kendrick Nunn is 98, but remember, Nunn was inside the top 50 for the first two weeks, so he's been tumbling. Dragic has been sort of consistently in that 150 range. As this team is now fully healthy, minus the guys that we just sort of don't care about, it might become a situation where only Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are inside the top 100. Kelly Olynyk played only six minutes. This apparently was a very bad matchup for him with uh, Jared Allen and or DeAndre Jordan. Um, and he was he was smoking hot coming into this ball game. I am genuinely concerned because the minutes that he lost in this game basically went to Justice Winslow because Duncan Robinson still played his 33. So it's going to be a grab bag. This game was the perfect example of Jimmy Butler is going to play a bunch of minutes. Adebayo is going to play a bunch of minutes. And then everybody else is going to be fighting for the others. Nunn, Winslow, Harrow, Dragic, Robinson, Myers, Leonard, you name it, they're fighting for the minutes. I think it's going to push all of them outside, and I think this is going to be a two-player te two team for fantasy. Spencer Dinwiddie continuing to roll along with no Kyrie Irving. I know, I know. I dropped him the first week of the year when his role was just to come in and miss a bunch of shots. Uh, it'll go back to that eventually. The question is when. He's obviously on a, a vicious heater now in the meantime. Uh, these last couple of weeks have pushed him inside the top 70 on the year. He's been awesome, but he will lose a lot of his role when this team gets healthy. So just, you know, don't, don't freak out. Uh, obviously, we're missing an insanely hot run, and that is super painful, but he is going to settle back probably just outside the top 100 uh, when Kyrie Irving and Karis LeVert make their returns, whenever the hell that might be. 
DeAndre Jordan is back, so he's now cut into Jared Allen's minutes. Those guys are back to a timeshare. Uh, there was a point at which I thought maybe neither of them ends inside the top 100. Now it's possible they might both barely get there. DeAndre's at 103. Jared Allen's at 97. Um, I mean, I you know, if, if, if you need DeAndre Jordan's stat set, he's he could be useful. He's going to rebound. He's going to shoot a very high percentage from the field. He's going to stumble into a block every once in a while. Not many. Uh, he's averaging just 1.1 on the year. But in 24 minutes, he's just barely rosterable in 12-team. Jared Allen, he does have the upside between the two guys, so you're holding on to him. Uh, Joe Harris, he's good to go. Torian Prince is obviously an easier guy to have in 8-cat than 9, but he's been uh, good enough. Good enough, barely, in 8-cat at this point. The percentages are the things that's mostly holding him down. Uh, Joe Harris, by the way, is at number 77. So there's there's been a lot of hemming and hawing about his his season so far, but he's been uh, beyond rosterable. He's He's been quite good. He's, you know, like a seventh rounder at this point. Boston beat New York on the road. This was a game the Knicks were actually leading until the very late stages. Boston turned it on late. Second game in a row that the center situation for Boston has gone from seemingly Daniel Tice owns the job to crazy murky. Tice played 17 minutes, Cantor 16, Robert Williams 7. Which means somebody else actually played a couple minutes at center, and I am I think it was actually was Marcus Smart for a couple of minutes in this ballgame. Uh, that's a bad sign. Duh. That's your duh moment of the podcast. I like Daniel Tice. I thought he was going to be a guy we could have for at least a few weeks, a few months. Uh, looks like that's not going to be the case. I think you can probably punt on all the Celtic centers. There are going to be days where Tice grabs it. He has the starting job, so he sort of has first crack at it. But if they're getting beat up, if the starting unit's getting beat, he's not going to have even close to a decent basketball game. He's got to be out there for 25 to 30 minutes. So it's a tough guy to trust. I I think we can probably move on. For the Knicks, uh, everybody sucked. Julius Randle had 26 points, and he almost had a game that he didn't hurt you, and then he missed a bunch of free throws and turned it over a few times. No threes, no steals, no blocks. Brutal. I mean, just brutal, Julius. Get it get it together, man. He's been uh, a tiny bit better lately. Now he's up to number 219 on the year in 9-cat. Horrendous, Julius. Horrendous. Get it together. Mitchell Robinson, 6 points, 5 boards, no blocks, fouled out in 19 and a half minutes. He is, an, he is a fantastic buy low. I mean, he's sitting at number 100 right now. That's as bad as it's going to get, guys. You could go steal him for something cheap. I would definitely do it. Uh, even at number 100, his his stats are such a nice rarity to have those levels of specialization. Anyway, I love it as a buy low. Memphis beat Minnesota for the second time in, in two weeks. Did not see that one coming. Uh, Dylan Brooks had 26. He remains a very difficult player to own outside of points leagues. DeAnthony Melton and Tyus Jones filling in for John Morant basically split the point guard minutes and both had good games. I don't think you can count on that going forward. I would lean towards Tyus Jones between the two if you're looking for fill-in work. Grayson Allen played 30 minutes in this win. I Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Jay Crowder continues to be just above the uh, Marvin Thad line. Jaron Jackson Jr. fouled out. Again, Brandon Clark got hurt. Hip soreness didn't come back after halftime. Grizzlies are the walking wounded right now, and as a result, Bruno Caboclo should be able to just stroll into minutes if Jonas Valanciunas misses any more time. 
That's the real key here. He missed this last ball game because he was sick. They play again today. We don't have an update on him yet. Oh, wait a minute. No, we don't have an update on him yet. Had to check the files here to make sure we didn't. Uh, they're hosting Indiana. Hopefully he plays. They desperately need him against the likes of Demonis Sabonis, just someone to try to push him away from the bucket. But if not, you could have an interesting little streamer deal tonight. JV had really been heating up prior to this illness. He looked spry. It looked like his foot was feeling better. He had seven blocks. 43 rebounds over his last three ball games. Sorry, guys. Had to cough again. Uh, and 66 points. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. That's like 22-15 almost. And two blocks. So he's coming on, man. He was hovering in that 105 to 110 range in 9-cat, and three big games later, he's at 82 and climbing. So let's get him healthy and good to go. Andrew Wiggins, another decent ball game for Minnesota. He made all of his free throws. That's a big deal. Jeff Teague continues to be the better of the point guards, even though he's coming off the bench. Cat was okay, but not great. Uh, Rob Covington had his five cash counters, and that's the only reason he's on your team. Jared Culver's the guy we're keeping an eye on, and he had 14 and 7 with a 3 and a steal, and that stuff is always solid, but one for four at the free throw line again. He's percentage killing you right now. There is obviously some upside there, and I totally understand the idea of just grabbing him and hanging on for dear life, uh, but boy... The, oof, that free throw percent. That free throw percent is murderous. Yikes. You you can... Man, you can do it if you want. I just don't know how you can put him in your lineup right now. He's hurting you more than he's helping. Dallas beat the Lakers. Lakers are losing their Sunday matinee games this year. They lost to Toronto on a Sunday. They lost to Dallas on a Sunday. They did not look good in this game either. Just totally disjointed. The offense was all out of whack, especially in the third quarter. Dallas looked great. In particular... Delon Wright looked great. I don't know where this came from. I don't expect it to happen again. Uh, the minutes came actually in replace of Dorian Finney-Smith in this ballgame, who only played 21, but he wasn't doing enough anyway. Uh, Delon went nuts. 17-5 and 9-4 steals, three three-pointers, shot the ball exceptionally well. I mean, this is why we were all so gaga over him coming into the season, because he can do stuff like this. Problem is... That's really the first good game he's had since November 16th. You know? And you can't wait two weeks between each good ball game. He's able to hang on to just edge of 9-cat value because he's so well-rounded in his fantasy game, uh, but he's just not consistent enough. Other guy worth mentioning in this ball game, two of them actually, uh, JaVale McGee, still right on the edge. If you need big man stats, he's basically trustworthy at this point. And uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., who didn't do much. He shot 3-for-10 from the field. I actually benched him in this one because I figured the Lakers' defense would hold him in check. And it did. Uh, but he still played 30 minutes and took 10 shots. And if DeLon Wright doesn't get hot, and if Dwight Powell doesn't decide he finally wants to wake up for one day, and if Justin Jackson doesn't take 10 shots, a lot of those are going to Tim Hardaway. So he, for me, is a strong hold right now. He's seeing minutes. He's going to get looks in that offense. They 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 spread the floor, they ball move. He's going to get looks. So, hang on. If you picked him up, continue to ride that and uh give him at least another couple of ball games to to sort of see how this thing shakes out. You know, th there's a hot and cold aspect to it obviously with his game. Also, he has 9 steals over his last 4. And that's the first game he hasn't hit a three-pointer in the last 6 in a row. 
So he's been coming on for sure. Um, you don't don't part ways after one tough shooting game. He makes one three pointer, and you're looking at that, and you're going, ah, all right, you know, not horrible. You know, eleven points, two steals. If that's what that turned out to be, not good. But you don't look at it like we do this one. That double digit mark in points really, it really changes the way we view things. Oklahoma City beat New Orleans again. Third time they beat them already this year. That surprised me. I, I thought the Pelicans would steal this one. Uh, Steven Adams played 28 minutes to Noel's 19. Both of those guys are still standard league dudes. Steven Adams slowly getting healthier. Nerlens, they want to keep Adams' minutes down closer to 30 this year, so Nerlens is going to play around 20, and that's more than enough for him to have fantasy value. Shea is having issues with higher volume this year. There's no other way to put it. As more of a focal point, he's outside the top 100. Uh, there's probably a, a juncture during this season where he turns the corner a little bit and and that field goal percent in particular starts to come back up a little bit, but it's going to take some time. Dennis Schroeder got hot in this one. Chris Paul, 16-8 and eight with a couple of threes on good percentages. Uh, so far, that, that old man move has worked out just fine. He's number 31 after two bad games in a row, and, and the nice part is the bad games, he sort of salvages things with some threes, some steals, and assists. There's just... A really nice floor for him this year. And the assists have been trending up after a slow start. Also, the health. That actually worries me a little bit. I hope they sit him in that back-to-back a week from today. Um, Just keep him on the floor. Because we're liking what we're seeing so far from CP3. For New Orleans, Josh Hart played 33 minutes. J.J. Redick only 29. But 29 is still enough in general, for J.J. He just didn't get a chance to take that many shots. Brandon Ingram decided to do his Chuck Fest thing, uh, and that hurt him. That that leveling off is starting to come. He's still been good, though, and he played 41 minutes. Lonzo Ball played 33. He's back and deserves to be on your fantasy team. Um, there's an argument to be made for basically four guards. Josh Hart, Drew Holiday, Redick, Lonzo Ball, all probably can stay above the cut line. Some of them, definitely. And then the other note on this team is that Derek Favors, we got word, we knew he had missed the game last week due to personal reasons. Over the weekend, it came out that it was his mother's funeral, which, geez, I can't even imagine. I feel so terrible for Derek. Um, our job, of course, is to analyze this from a fantasy standpoint, but you almost have to pause and just try to think of what he's going through. You know, it's not like, not that there's ever a time where it's a little bit easier to deal with a parent's passing, but let's also remember... He's 28. He's 28 years old. He seems like he's been around a long time, and, and you know, giant humans tend to look older than they are. Um, but he's not. He's just not that old of a guy, and to, to lose a parent is crushing. So I don't know exactly when he's going to be back. Obviously, we hope it's sooner than later. And from a fantasy standpoint, I think you have to pick him up if he's available in your league, which he probably isn't. He's still pretty heavily owned, and for good reason. When he was healthy and playing big minutes... He was going yakko for this team. He had a 20-20 game against the Clippers, double-doubled with four defensive stats against the Rockets, double-doubled with two defensive stats against the uh, Hornets. There was a three-game run there where he looked like he was getting ready to go, you know, top 60, top 70 range, and then the back spasms and now the personal stuff. So it's it's been about two and a half weeks. I would assume the back is probably okay now. Uh, their next ball game is tomorrow. They're hosting the Mavericks, so let's hope we see him back for that one. And if so, 
I think you throw him right in. You know, the personal stuff has given him a little extra time to rest the back, hopefully get the conditioning back a little bit. And, uh, you know, hopefully from a mental standpoint, he's not too broken up about the whole thing. But we obviously can't blame him if he is. That's rough. That's real rough. Uh, San Antonio was without LaMarcus Aldridge with a thigh bruise. They're hoping he'll be back in the next one to two ball game, so I wouldn't worry too much there. Um, Derek White started, played 22 minutes in a blowout loss. Would he have played down the stretch? I'm inclined to think probably. So you can, I think, speculatively put White back on your team, but at the same time, both he and DeJounte Murray continue to be terrible. Uh, Jakob Pertl actually led the team in minutes in this ballgame. No surprise there with Andre Drummond. On the other side, their minutes actually were almost a dead heat. Both those guys played 26. Uh, Pertl had four defensive stats, and as long as he doesn't get to the free throw line, he's a late-round center. Christian Wood went nuts in garbage time. Had a few, had a few nuggets during the regular uh, basketball portion of the proceedings, but then obviously uh, had a chance to go big late. Only 22 minutes. He had 28 and 10 if only there was an opportunity for him to do more. Unfortunately, there just isn't, because Markeith Morris would play a lot of those minutes if the game was closer. Blake Griffin would come back in. Drummond would come back in. Derek Rose would come back in. Uh, Luke Kennard still played most of the ball game for some reason. Very efficient game for Luke, but his usage continues to trend down. I know that we're able to sort of stay afloat here with really good shooting games. That's the way he's been able to hang in there lately. But almost no defensive stats. The number of shots per game has gone down. There's a little bit of a mirage happening lately where he's shooting something like, what's he shooting over the last week? 54%. So he's been great. But if that comes down at all, the three-pointers come off because almost all of his shots are from downtown. The points come down precipitously, and right now that stuff is floating it. So get what you can before the cold stretch hits, and it will. He's not going to shoot 54% for the year. Uh, Derek Rose had a 10-point, 10-assist double-double with three defensive stats in only 19 minutes. Sadly, Detroit's been playing a lot of games that are not that close, or he would have seen probably another four or five minutes, and then it could have been actually a pretty damn good ball game. but he still should be on your roster for now. Orlando beat Golden State, the War of the Walking Wounded. Uh, Draymond Green is likely to sit out their next ball game. He did have 11-4-7, decent one here. He'll just not play in back-to-backs, and they're going to keep his minutes in the 20s, even in regular competitive games. The Warriors are a terrible team to have guys on right now. If you, if you drafted a Warrior, that guy is not going to have much value. Uh, what we need, and I suppose this is a time to pause and, and think this thing through, this is a back-to-back. We knew this was coming. The Warriors, after this, play on the 4th, the 6th, the 9th, the 11th. So they have four games in a row, at least, and that's as far forward as I've looked on this team. They have at least four games in a row that are not a back-to-back. We can even pull up their full schedule and go a little bit farther into this thing. Make sure when the next one is. Next back-to-back for the Warriors is after Christmas. Am I getting that right? 4, 6, 9, 11, 13, 15, 18, 20, 23, 25, 27, and then 28. The Suns, the Mavs, back-to-back, 27th and 28th. So there's an, there is a real chance that after sitting out today's ballgame, Draymond Green could play in basically 10 games in a row, maybe 11. That's your opportunity. When everybody forgets the BS going on, when they actually play their guys, and I bet D'Angelo Russell plays in most of those games as well. 
That's your opportunity to try to get out from under these guys. You might even start to think, hey, maybe I can deal with this. You don't want to because his minutes are down. So hopefully you can trade with somebody who doesn't notice that aspect of it. A few good games in a row. See if you can get, I mean, for Draymond, if you can even get like a top 80 guy at the end of that stretch, I would call that a victory. And with D'Angelo Russell, call like a top 60 guy over that stretch. Anything you can get that has season-long useful value, you know, not an end-of-bench guy that falls on and off the waiver wire, that would be a victory. Because it is going to be a very difficult year to have Warriors. Otherwise, in this ballgame, uh, Willie Cauley-Stein had a double-double. It was almost like he knows Kevon Looney's coming back tonight. He'll probably only play like 8 to 10 minutes, if I had to guess. It's going to be a really short night. So if you've been stashing Looney, keep stashing him. I'm actually leaving him in my injured list spot. Uh, provided, I know you need to take these guys off if you're going to make a move in most formats. I'm hoping I don't need to make a move, and I'm going to ride it out until his minutes are up into the high teens at least, and then maybe I'll bring him off the IL. It's going to cut into everybody. You know, Kali Stein, Marquise Chris played most of the center minutes in this one. Omari Spellman got in there as well. At some point, Looney's going to be playing in the mid-20s, and when he gets to that point, he's going to be the big man to own over these other guys. Marquise Chris, very difficult dude to own because if he doesn't get hot or have a nice avenue to value, the minutes just aren't that high. Same issue with Willie Cauley-Stein right now. He finally had a good ball game, but the minutes still just aren't there. Glenn Robinson, Alec Burks, Eric Pascal, these guys are all going to be playing pretty sizable minutes, I think regardless of the health of this team. D'Lo will probably slide in and take a lot of his minutes from Kai Bowman. Uh, and or Jordan Poole in this deal. And then Alec Burks, I mean, these guys aren't going to take as many shots when D'Angelo Russell's back. But the problem, as I've, as I've said before, is that they have these gaping holes in their fantasy game. Eric Pascal had 17-6, and six, but everything else was bad. No threes, no steals, no blocks. Shooting percentage wasn't good. Alec Burks had 15-5 and five with three steals, and it still wasn't that great of a fantasy game because he shot the ball poorly, missed a free throw, only had one three-pointer. The steal sort of floated it. Glenn Robinson had 19 and three threes in this ballgame, and his was better because he shot 8 of 16, but he disappears from a usage perspective regularly. This is a hard team to use anyone. I still think Burks is the safest of the bunch, but they're all hovering right around that top 100 area. I think Looney can get a little bit above that, so that's why he's the guy that I'd take a chance on with this team. Uh, Terrence Ross got hot. He's, again, he's really like a 10th man on your roster. Markel Fultz is playing really well uh, with everybody hurt. He's been seeing some extra minutes alongside DJ Augustine, and so that's been good for his value. But he needs to do it with steals and assists because he doesn't shoot the three ball. Um, He's not going to score a ton, especially once they get back. Aaron Gordon played 30 minutes, but he's awful. Uh, Vooch is obviously the guy that, that runs this motor. The, the increased minutes for faults with Gordon back is something to keep an eye on. It's not clear exactly who it came at the expense of because everybody else played about their normal allotments. Evan Fournier is having a hell of a season, by the way. Jonathan Isaac, five more blocks. He's been great. Uh, with faults, he's probably on rosters because everybody picked him up three weeks earlier than they needed to. Um, so there isn't a whole lot you can do with this thing. Let's just see how it goes, because he's starting to hit a point where at 30 minutes a game, he could get you enough steals and assists where the other stuff becomes less of a factor. The fact that, you know, his field goal percent is good. He's up around 50%. 
Uh, but no blocks, no threes. That weighs it down for a point guard. Um, but if the assist can stay up in that 6, 7, 8 range, then that obviously is enough to do stuff. Utah got blown out by Toronto. You can throw away most of this stuff. Uh, Jazz actually made it a little bit closer by the end of the third and then ended up getting whipped anyway. So throw it out. Uh, Pascal Siakam, Freddie Van Fleet played well. Norman Powell had another nice fill-in game. Serge Ibaka came back, played 20 minutes off the bench, had 13-4-3 with a steal. That's going to cut into Marcus Soule's minutes and really cut into Chris Boucher's minutes, who played five. He's cooked. Uh, Ronda Hellas-Jefferson still saw 24 minutes. So the question now is, has that power forward center rotation become more of a three-man spot? Because if so, that's not great. Let's see how the next game goes. I don't know if I'm throwing Surge in uh, for this next game back. I might, depending on the format. Obviously, if you're on limited games, you use whoever. Um, but he looked pretty good. He played, took 14 shots in this thing. He wasn't bashful. And what you want is some threes, some rebounds, a little scoring, and some blocks. And Surge should hopefully be in that, you know, 95 range. And the Clippers put up a buck 50 on the Wizards, who don't defend anybody. They sure do lose fun, though. Thomas Bryant struggled in 31 minutes. Mo Wagner sat this one out, so this was an opportunity for Bryant with really nobody breathing down his neck. Um, Davis Breton's been on a heater. Rui Hachimura had his best game, and obviously this is one that's going to stand out because he scored 30. Maybe he can turn this into a little bit of a hot streak. The thing with Hachimura is, like a lot of rookies, he's a guy that if you have him, you're just hoping that you can sort of weather the clunky first four months he doesn't belong on nine-category rosters because all he does is score and rebound. Uh, defensive stats are minimal. He keeps the turnovers down, so that's good for nine-cat, but he doesn't hit the three-ball, shooting 48.5%, which is fine for a power forward. It's not great, but it's not bad. Uh, so there's these these massive holes in his fantasy game, which are in nine-cat actually covered up a little bit by the low turnovers. Yesterday, he just did really well in the things he already does okay in, which is points and rebounds. The other stuff was not all that far off his season marks. He had three assists instead of, like, one and a half. And two three-pointers instead of none most games. So, no, this doesn't change my valuation on him. He's probably going to be somebody that's fantasy-relevant in March, February, March, April, maybe. But that's a long way off from right now. Isaiah Thomas's usage was actually a little bit better in this ballgame. He was up at 23, 16-4-4 uh, four four with three three-pointers. Got to the free-throw line and missed two of them. That's all we ever want from him is to actually get some free-throws, and he missed them. Uh, I didn't watch this game live, so I don't know how much of that occurred during garbage time. I'm thinking not much of it, a little perhaps, but it's a great example of how he, effective he could be if he got to play against some second stringers and not alongside Bradley Beal every time. So I'm keeping him on my bench. I've said this before. I know it's it's okay if you need to drop him, if you need that roster space. He's on my bench in one, in the one or two spots where I have him, where I can afford to do that. And in unlimited games format, he's not hurting you that much. He's not been He hasn't been good, but he's not killing you, you know? It's not like his percentages are terrible or his turnovers are high or something like that. He's just not doing enough to warrant a normal roster spot. Turning the clock back to Saturday, but before we do so, I wanted to remind everybody that the Bruise Letter, Volume 6, went out this morning. Hopefully you got on the list beforehand. I'll tell you what. I'll make you a deal. If you sign up for the newsletter, 
today, Monday, November the 2nd, and let me know you did, I'll make sure to get you the Volume 6 newsletter post-facto. There's my promise. So, here's how we're going to do it. You can sign up by going to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter, or you can just go to hoop-ball.com, and when you go to the homepage, a little, uh, it's not a pop-up, it's like a tab, it's a pop tab that comes up from the bottom of the page that'll tell you that there's a newsletter out, and you can actually sign up right there in the little pop tab. So either way, I don't care how you do it, either way, if you sign up on the pop tab or by going to the website, hoop-ball.com slash newsletter, let me know on Twitter or by sending an email to support at hoop-ball.com and just say, hey, I just got on the newsletter list. Dan promised me that he would get me today's newsletter after the fact, and then the rest of them you'll just get because now you're on the email list. So shoot me a note at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or again, support at at hoop-ball.com, support at hoop-ball.com, and say, you know, make it attention, Dan. I'll see it, and uh, I'll find a way to get you that newsletter from today. There's my promise. Otherwise, you can just sign up whenever you want the rest of the week, and then you'll get Volume 7 next Monday. But it might as well do today, and then you get the one right after the fact. The Brews Letter. I haven't opened it yet. I'm excited. It's in my inbox. I'm ready to read it. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Mm-mm-mm. Saturday, Denver-Sacramento. Revenge game for the Kings. They came up uh, rolling late in this ball game. Harrison Barnes was big. Uh, and this big one for Barnes really solidifies the fact that he is a nine-cat guy. He's like an eighth or ninth guy on your team because he's super boring. Uh, but his field goal percent's been really good. That's been a, a nice change of pace this year for him. I'm not sure if it holds... You know, he hasn't been up around 50% since the year two or three with Golden State. His three balls are still relatively high, but down a bit. Lowest since 2017. Free throw percent is right around his career mark. Uh, rebounding is right on the marks. Assists are basically near the mark. His steals are a bit high. Uh, but also his minutes are as high as they've been since his first season in Dallas. So... Some of this stuff feels a little bit unsustainable. The The field goal percent probably comes down from 58 to maybe like, or from 50 to 48 or something like that. Um, but I like the fact that his three attempts are down a tiny bit. Steals, maybe they fluctuate a little. Uh, but his looks actually should get better as the Kings get healthy. So I'm not going to abandon ship. He's not a guy that I drafted anywhere. I, I did pick him up in one spot. Um, and he's just going to be fairly boring. Buddy Heald having issues shooting, but at least he did score 21 in this game. Rashawn Holmes uh, just chugging along. Corey Joseph, punt points streamer. And uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich finally had that cool-off game that we knew was coming. For Denver, Gary Harris finally had a good ball game. Took him long enough. I I still think he's a drop, by the way. He's number 132 even after this mondo, mondo game. Four threes, three steals, two blocks, no turnovers, 25 points. He was outstanding. Uh, and he remains uh, incredibly overowned in fantasy leagues because, I mean, he got hot and nobody else did. Denver's a weird team this year, aren't they? Strange ball club. Uh, you can basically count on their, you know, four of the five starters being good. And in this one, the four of the five did not include Nikola Jokic, who is becoming the poster boy for buy low. Uh, he's outside the top 40 now. He's actually cooled off instead of warming up. I wouldn't give up a first-rounder to get him. I would probably give up a second-rounder to get him. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know when it's going to turn, but it will. 
Indiana at Philadelphia. Uh, Miles Turner had issues with Joel Embiid. Demonis Sabonis had issues with Joel Embiid. No surprise there. So Brogdon, TJ Warren, Jeremy Lamb, and then Justin Holiday came off the bench and played better. For Philly, it was sort of the usual suspects. No Josh Richardson. Uh, Matisse Thybul and Furkan Korkmaz split Richardson's minutes, and neither one of those guys did anything with them. So you just stick with the main five, the main five, and wait for Richardson to come back. Houston blew out Atlanta on Saturday as well. James Harden had 60 in three quarters. <laughs> and there was another cough. Uh, Twitter was a buzz with people saying, who else could do something like that? There's literally another person that has done something like that. And his name is Kobe Bean. Uh, still very cool, by the way. But come on, guys. Let's, let's know our basketball history a little bit here. That, that wasn't that long ago. Hell of a game for Harden. Uh, picked on a, uh, an Atlanta team that just got significantly worse year over year. And then obviously missing John Collins has made life even tougher. Trey Young at 37 on only 16 shots. He had a great game and everybody else was awful. Atlanta's on a tough run right now. Um, Kevin Herter is not that far from coming back from a shoulder injury. And what we've seen is that they desperately need anybody else because DeAndre Hunter is not there yet. DeAndre Bembry has horrible percentage issues. Hunter, by the way, runs into those a little bit as well. Jabari Parker's been okay in general. He's been fine. But they have, they're just, I mean, there's nobody. They can't trust anyone on that team. So maybe you think about Herter as a stash. I, uh, I mean, his upside is like top 90 at best. I, I don't even know that he gets there because his timing might run into John Collins a little bit. So I'm not super excited about it. Houston side is pretty predictable. Uh, ben Backlamore filling in for Daniel House at a really big ball game, but uh, House is the main guy when he's back from his illness. Milwaukee blew out Charlotte in another super boring Saturday game. Brooke Lopez was out, so Robin filled in and had a really nice one. That's a pretty easy plug-and-play if Brooke misses any more time. I'm not going to pick up Robin Lopez unless we get some kind of report that Brooke is out for, you know, a week or something like that. I'm just not going to use a roster spot that may not amount to anything. And for Charlotte, I think I said it on the Friday show, there's a possibility that this team doesn't have a top 100 fantasy guy at the end of the year. Terry Rozier has been playing much better of late. He's inside the top 80 after about a four or five game hot run. Uh, maybe that's where he ends up. Devontae Graham is at 91. After a couple of better games where his turnovers have been lower, he's put together three good ones in a row. Maybe those two guys stay inside the top 100. Maybe Miles Bridges somehow finds his way there after an horrendous start to the season. He's at 135 right now. Charlotte is a really tough fantasy team. P.J. Washington is out. I know he had a good ball game two games back, but his minutes are being threatened nightly by old men. That's rough, man. That's rough. Uh, let's go back to Friday. Saturday was that, that short four-gamer and check out any teams that we haven't covered yet. Uh, looking at the Friday card, I believe the Cavaliers are one of the teams that we didn't mention over the weekend, and that's really not that big of a deal. Chetty Osmond finally had a better ball game. So did Darius Garland which uh, forced Jordan Clarkson into more limited activity. Garland's playing plenty on a game-to-game -game basis. He just has, like Colin Sexton, a super limited fantasy game. Points, threes, nothing else. Literally a two-category guy. And barely those. 
Minimal steals, no blocks, high turnovers, not many assists, low rebounds, bad field goal percent. He's not even close to on the radar yet. This team remains, in my estimation, a three-big-man operation. Larry Nance Jr., aren't you glad I talked you into holding on to that dude? Kevin Love, who's obviously cooled after a hot start. Had a good ball game here, though. Uh, and Tristan Thompson, who has also cooled off after a hot start, but continues to play his 30 minutes, and when he does, he's going to get you a boatload of rebounds. I- I'm not venturing into the guards. Colin Sexton is way over-owned in nine-category leagues. He's number 164, and he's available only in one of my leagues. I don't know what people think is going to happen. This is the same exact stuff he did last year. His numbers are almost a carbon copy. One extra point. Steals are actually up a little bit. Field goal percent is up one. Free throw is actually down a tiny bit. I mean, even if that levels off, it levels off to last year's numbers almost exactly. Not interested. Not interested. And let's see. I feel like we're missing somebody else, but maybe I'm wrong. Phoenix? We haven't talked about Phoenix yet, right? Yeah, Phoenix, Portland, Chicago, I believe, are the remaining teams that that didn't play over the weekend. Uh, Phoenix got Aaron Baines back and went back to being more competitive again, although they did ultimately lose to a... Uh, well, they, they lost to Luka Doncic, let's be honest, in that game. He had 42-9-11. and 11. Kelly Oubre played well, 22-10, and 10, fouled out late. Ricky Rubio fouled out. Doncic shot 18 free throws, by the way. But Rubio had 21-9, and nine, so he's back and rolling. Baines played 25 minutes at 17-7. and seven. He's a must-start guy now until uh, DeAndre Ayton is back. So if somebody got upset that Baines was hurt for a few games, obviously you go get him. I don't know why they would. Uh, but looking at his number, he's still only 57% owned in Yahoo Leagues, which is just... Well, that's just stupid. And Dario Saric now is going to have to move farther from the bucket again. He was able to sort of hang on in this game with two blocks, but that was an outlier... Uh, he's probably going to end up being a drop now that Baines is healthy. But, I mean, if you want to hang on for a game or two, that's fine. Chicago hung in there with Portland for all 48 minutes, ended up losing by four. Sadoransky was very good. He had 12 points, eight assists, a steal, two threes on good percentages. I still maintain that he's going to be a a worthwhile nine-category guy. He's number 93 right now, was getting dropped consistently early in the season, but we know what he can do. He's just super efficient. For the year, he's at 9.5 points, 5.3 assists, 1.5 steals. Over the last month, he's number 67. He's been really good for the last month. 11, 4, and 6, 1.5 steals, 1.5 threes, good percentages. Uh, and over the last two weeks, he's actually exactly at 67 as well. Isn't that amazing? He's settled in now. He's just going to be right around that 75 mark. Pretty good for a guy that probably got dropped and you picked him up. If when I yelled at you, you did so. Larry Markkinen was a little bit better in this game. He had 13, 8, and 3. Missed a bunch of his shots, but at least he was more uh, active. Zach Levine had 28. Took him too many shots to get there. And, uh, I mean, yeah, if you shoot 38%, you're probably not going to win. The fact that they were even close is a miracle. I, I Just looking at all the numbers, I have no idea how they pulled this one off. They only they got out-rebounded in this game, but outshot Portland 94-84. to 84. Super weird. Turnover battle wasn't all that far apart either. In any event, for Portland, all five starters actually had good fantasy games in this one, if you can believe that. Um, Carmelo Anthony had 23-11-4. and four. Um, Okay, so here's the thing on Melo. Uh, he's number 127 in 9-cat. 
because he's only played six ball games and his last three have all been quite good. The issues are still very much there. Uh, he's probably not going to shoot 46% for the season, but I will say that when you compare his numbers this season to what he was doing in Oklahoma City, Houston, and even his last couple years in New York, his role is vastly different. Not only is he more of a complementary piece, who gets a lot of shots, by the way, it's more similar to what he was doing in Oklahoma City on a team that doesn't need him to be shooting from the perimeter as often. Portland has plenty of spacing if they need it. Dame can shoot the three. CJ, Hood, all those guys. Uh, Whiteside, obviously, is going to be near the paint. Uh, if they want to bring someone off the bench, Bazemore can shoot the three. Not great, but he can handle it. So for Melo, they can let him get into his spots a little bit more. And he's playing with guys that have sort of enough gravity, which should have been the case in Oklahoma City. But as we've seen, you know, Russ is not the easiest guy to play with. He's fitting in better here. That is sort of the positive. The, the other side of this equation is that, you know, the shoe's going to drop. He's going to have some terrible shooting games. He doesn't get defensive stats. If he's not hitting three-pointers, then that's going to be a tough thing to overcome. I still firmly believe that you're looking at a guy who's going to be in that 14, what did I say, 13 to 15-point range, probably about six rebounds a game much better suited for points leagues because the defensive stats are going to be very low. I'm exceedingly worried that the field goal percent drops back into the low 40s because we're, we're looking at an extremely limited sample size. And even with these great ball games, he's still outside the top 120 since he joined the Blazers. Of course, if you remove that first game with five turnovers, I think he does now move inside the top 100. So, you know, look at whatever it is. No, actually, I think he's still outside. If you look at the last week, he's obviously inside, but again, that's too short of a sample size to do it. I'll say this. Um, I My needle has moved a little bit from I wouldn't touch him in 9-cat to luxury stash in 9-cat because I also don't think the turnovers are going to be that high. They shouldn't be playing alongside Dame and CJ. Those should be the, the guys turning it over. Uh, he had four assists in that game, and that's good too. Once again, the downside is his three really good ball games have come against Chicago twice and Oklahoma City. And he didn't have a good game against the Cavaliers. Five of the six teams that he's played have been pretty bad. Oklahoma City is fine, I guess. And then they went to Milwaukee and he scored 18 points there on 15 shots. That, again, is the reason to be a little bit afraid. But you know what? If he's floating around, throw him on your bench. Uh, hope that he doesn't kill you in field goal percent if you're in an unlimited deal. I'm going to go ahead and say add him. Screw it. Screw it. Let's go nuts. Throw him on your team. Right? Because if he does happen to sort of hit his stride and Portland decides that he's their third scorer now and he leapfrogs everybody, Whiteside, Hood, whoever, there should be plenty of shots floating around. If Dame has taken his 19-ish and CJ's taken his 15 to 18 Whiteside's taking his 10 or 12. That, I mean, that still leaves 30, 40 shots left on the table. At least 20 to 30. Baysmore's not going to shoot much. Scal, Anthony Simons, these guys aren't going to chew up many shots. So, yeah, maybe they go to Mello. So I'll change my tune a little bit on this one. From I wouldn't dare touch him in 9-cat and definitely a points league guy to, all right, okay, he's got a shot at getting inside the top 100. Better than I thought. 
And that is your reverse chronological lightning round for this uh, week. What the hell are we on now? Seven? Week seven. Wow. Chucking, we're chugging right along here. Uh, tonight, Monday night, it is not that busy. Phoenix at Charlotte. Phoenix by four and a half on the road. I think they should probably win this game with Baines back. He's a difference maker for them. Utah at Philadelphia. Jazz getting smoked in Toronto yesterday. I assume they'll come back with a little more fire in their belly in this ballgame. Warriors are at Hawks. That should be a good and ugly one. Uh, but at least we'll get our first look at Kevon Looney and his ultra-limited role. Indiana-Memphis. Grizzlies got a nice win their last time out. We'll find out who the hell is healthy for that team. Uh, Pacers, you're just, you know, you're looking at the starters. Knicks and Bucks. Bucks favored by 16 and a half points. I know the Knicks are bad, but you have to blow them out if you're going to cover that number. I, I mean, almost instinctively, if I'm if someone's going to give me over 15 points in the NBA, I'll probably bet the underdog. And Sacramento, five-point favorites over the Chicago Bulls. That's probably a relatively fair line as well from a fantasy standpoint. Uh, Larry Markkinen, he is a, a huge buy low for Chicago. You should be able to get him for pennies at this point. And then uh, Sadoransky, who's continued to be quite good. Otherwise, I think we're into one of those little blips again. We had one like two weeks ago where there wasn't a whole lot going on. Guys are coming back right now from injury, so a lot of the weird, interesting is, is getting pushed off a tiny bit. Um, but, you know, obviously we're going to watch Phoenix to see if any of those other big men can hang on. Uh, we're going to be watching Golden State since this is the full-on zombie squad. Memphis, who's filling in for Ja? Is JV playing? If not, is it Caboclo? Is he the fill-in guy if Brandon Clark has to miss more time? The Knicks are just horrible, but Mitch Robb is a buy low. Milwaukee, is it a Robin Lopez streaming night? So there are some small things floating around on the card this evening if you feel so inclined. Give me a follow on Twitter. I'll talk about some gambling stuff out that way if, uh, if that's your jam. Um, we're always looking at, at some of the revenge angles and, and how that's playing out so far this year. It's been like one or two units up, so almost break even. We can probably just round that down and call it pretty much a break even proposition. Uh, but a lot of it is figuring out where the key moments are. We need to pick our spots a little bit, and that's why tracking is so important. This is A lot of this is evidence-based. We're finding the data. Again, join the newsletter, let me know, uh, and I will send you today's post-facto rate and review the podcast. And as I've been throwing out there in uh, over the last week or so on the show, if you want to join our blossoming team here at HoopBall, you can get in touch with me that same way. Just make sure it's Attention Dan. If you have daytime availability, want to join our sales team, hit me up. If you want to join our podcast team, our written team, whatever. If you have a skill you believe HoopBall could use and want to be a contributor, bug me. Would love to hear from you. Have a great Monday, everybody. Uh, coming up the rest of the week, same usual schedule. We'll talk some DFS at some point in the week. We'll have Brandon on midweek again to talk buy low, sell high. Uh, and uh, that'll get you through. I mean, we're in the grind now. It's week seven. Good luck, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.